Yeah, you're right. Hey, Al, you should do your bit about uh, your bit about cheese jokes. <laughs> I would like. You're drunk. If I may. And you're crazy. To take you. I'll be sober tomorrow. And on a strange journey. You'll be crazy for the rest of your life, brother. Radio Desidendi. I mean, I have a general idea, but I don't know the I don't know the specifics. I wasn't recording. Can you say that again? Full disclosure: I have no idea what this case of the week is about. Is that how we're starting case of the week? Yes. God damn it! All right. Just utterly hopeless. My God. All right, come on. Let's just let's keep it together. Just Stay just calm. say just start. Hey Dan, guess what's happening now? What else? Case of the week. Great. Case of the week. Oh my goodness, and this let me is the you, highlight. Sunny Sunshine, this one is a cracker. I'm talking about can corporations have beliefs? I'm talking about religious freedom. I'm talking about persecution on the basis of sexuality. I'm talking about discrimination. It's it, This case has got, got everything. I'm so excited. I'm incredibly excited. Medium neutral citation. Christian Youth Camps Limited and Cobor Community Health Services Limited. This is 2014, uh, Victorian Court of Appeal, can't read, 75, number 75, decided by their honours, <laughs> President Maxwell and Justices of Appeal, Neve and Redlick. Wait, 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 just, oh. Medium neutral citation needs a date of judgment. Oh, sorry, 16th of April, Amateur. 2014. Amateur. All right, let's, let, let's try and start at the beginning of all this, this tangled web of events. All right. So, you have Christian Youth Camps Limited. They owned a bunch of youth camps, right? Like campgrounds, okay? And Mr. Rowe is an employee of them. He is the manager of one of the campgrounds. Then, you have this other group called Cobor Community Health Services. Now, they are basically a sort of advocacy organization for same-sex attracted young people, right? And, And their message is to go and say to kids, it's okay to be gay or, you know, by or whatever you are, you yep. know, that's fine. Yep, yep. The Christian youth camps, as you can probably imagine, weren't really fond of this view. They didn't share it. They were a Christian organization, right? Not they, massive fans. They're not massive fans of it. I mean, as we're about to see, there's a bit of conceptual tension between what the two groups are sort of, you know, trying to advocate for. So, Cobor Health Services, they are trying to hire out a campground, right? Host a camp for the kids. Good. Yep. So... Miss, hold on, Miss Hackney, Miss Hackney's representing Cobor, she calls up Mr. Rowe and says, Rowe, I want to get this campground for the kids, right? And Rowe says, okay, cool, what is your organization about? (laughs) Rowe says, okay, cool. (laughs) And this is the point where it starts to all fall apart. She says, oh, we're a, you know, an advocacy group for same-sex attracted young people. And at this point, Mr. Rowe goes, not cool. (laughs) Yeah, not cool. Nah. More or less. He says, I'm not really sure that that's kind of what we want to have going on here. And he says, what, what, what is the whole point of the camp? She says, well, you know, we're trying to, you know, get the kids together and, and we're going to tell them. We're going to say, you know, we're going to get them to try and be, you know, you know, expressive about their, you know, their sexuality and, and who they are and, and to identify and to feel comfortable in themselves and, and, you know, and just say it's okay to be yourself, you know. So that's the idea, right? Okay. And Mr. Rose basically says to them, to Miss Hackney, I don't think that's going to fly. 
I don't think we can let you use the campground. All right. So now the legal issues come into come into play, right? Keen. Because we have two provisions here um, of the Victorian Equal Opportunity Act, right? Right. Now, the first one we're talking about is... 32? No, you have to cut out this pause. Give me a sec. 35? Stop guessing. It's 42, I think. So Section 8 of the Equal Opportunity Act of Victoria (laughs) says you can't discriminate against people. And discrimination is if a person treats or proposes to treat someone with an attribute less favorably than the person treats or would treat someone without that attribute. All right? Mm-hmm. So, obviously, discrimination on the basis of sexuality is a no-no. Right? Yes. But here's where it gets thorny. Because Section 77 of the same act... It's got to be a defense. Is it a defense? It is a defense. Is it religion? It is religion. Well, Tell me def- about it. It's, it's an exemption, right? If you're, if you're sort of acting out of necessity of a genuinely held religious belief... You're exempt from discrimination, right? Right. So now it's all starting to get a bit confusing. No, but I see where this is going. So there's really two issues. The first is, were they discriminated against? Had discrimination occurred? Right? And if discrimination had occurred, secondly, was Mr. Rowe and the Christian youth camps, were they exempt from it? Had discrimination occurred? The answer, (laughs) dear listeners, is yes. Discrimination had occurred. That was not a surprise. Now, here's, I think, the interesting point, because there are three judges in this case. One of them ultimately dissented, but they were all, they all were in agreement about this point, because Cobor Health Services, they were obviously, as I said, an advocacy group. So what Mr. Rowe was trying to say is, no, no, we weren't discriminating on the basis of their sexuality. We were discriminating on the basis of them going around telling the kids it was okay to be gay, right? It was the activities they had planned. It was the, you know... It was the message they were spreading that we thought, no, they shouldn't be doing. Oh, that. I see. Right. And so, what, if it had been a, a bunch of what did what was the exact phrase? Same sex attracted young people. Yeah. But on an archery camp. Yeah. That would have been fine. Yeah. Okay. That was that was what you know they argued. But the court didn't buy it. Court did not buy it. Right. And actually, they looked at some uh, English authority on this point. Um, Baroness Hale, who is the only female judge on the uh, UK Supreme Court. Um, has actually made quite a few comments on this issue. Do baronesses have areas that they're from? Like, you know, you have Lord Nichols of... I can't remember. Yeah. Does does she have a place? She doesn't, but there's no reason why she couldn't. Massive pause. <laughs> You're listening to Radio Desidendi on Jack Radio. So the court, they looked at some of the comments that Baroness Hale had made, um... Famous case of Gaiden and Godin Mendoza, which you might remember from our PPL. UK I don't. All right, good. And Her Honor said, sexual orientation defines the sort of person with whom one wants to have sexual relations. It requires another person to express itself. So what Her Honor is saying there and what the judges of the Court of Appeal are adopting is that there's no you know, sexuality and identifying or expressing your sexuality are, you know, inseparable. They're one and the same. So if you say, oh, it's okay to be gay, just don't talk about it, what you're saying is it's not okay to be gay. So that's discrimination, right? So okay. I, so the Court of Appeal taking, you know, reasonably broad view of, you know, um, what it means, you know, to be discriminated against, which I think, you know, none of us are going to disagree with. But the interesting question then, second issue before the court, were they exempt um, on religious grounds? I, I'm going to, I'm leaning towards yes. The answer 
listeners, is no. Okay, let me have it. Yeah. So, section 77, religious beliefs or principles. Nothing in part three applies to discrimination by a person against another person if the discrimination is necessary for the first person to comply with the person's genuine religious beliefs or principles. Mm -hmm. Little wordy, but you get the gist of it, right? And if you don't, because you're an idiot, I'll explain. (laughs) If you genuinely, honestly believe something religious, right, you hold it close to your heart, you believe it in good faith, and whatever discriminatory action you take is necessary to give effect to that, you're safe, right? You haven't committed discrimination, right? Right. That's basically the effect of it. I suppose there's no reason to doubt the the veracity of Mr. Rowe's beliefs. So the question is, was it necessary to give effect to them? To which the court said it was not. Just enjoy the pause. Enjoy the pause, listeners. (laughs) Enjoy the pause. (laughs) The, the pause is long in this one. Just fu- shut up. He's going to edit the pause out. I'm gonna Christ. Put, I'm gonna put music. Are you... <laughs> am I butthurt? Yes. Are you mad, brother? <laughs> I'm aggrieved, right? So, the court disagreed at this point, but 2-1, they said it wasn't necessary. And I'll quote, if I may, from his honour, President Maxwell's judgment at page 330. There was nothing about Mr. Rowe's belief which compelled him to refuse the application. The relevant belief required Mr. Rowe, an adherence of the Christian brethren religion, to refrain from sexual activity except in a relationship of marriage between husband and wife. As discussed above, blah, 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 blah. This is a a rule of private morality, adherence to which is no doubt of great importance to Mr. Rowe and to members of the Christian brethren. But it carried with it no obligation to try to convince others to adopt the same rule less still to prevent other people expressing to each other the view that, contrary to Mr. Rowe's belief, sexual activity between same-sex attracted persons was not immoral, but was part of the normal range of human sexualities. So what's the court saying there? If you think it's not okay to be gay, that's fine. Don't do gay stuff. But once you go, that's all that's necessary to give effect to that belief. Once you start going and discriminating about towards others being gay, that's not necessary at all. That's discrimination. But there was a dissent. <laughs> Fuck, how long has this been going? Just continue. I'm sorry, you're interjecting now. Just enjoy the pause, Al. It's a good pause. I don't want any of this on radio. <laughs> Anything we've recorded today. <laughs> None of this is going on radio, right? I want to hear this dissent. I feel like... There could be some some hard-hitting points in this dissent. So there was a dissent from Justice of Appeal Redlick, right? And his dissent and the reasoning about Section 77 and the religious exemption, it goes on for quite a few pages. Good. And uh, it's it's actually fairly subtle, some of the reasoning, but he draws on international law, he draws on, you know, freedom of religion jurisprudence. Um, but I guess a paragraph 570, he kind of ties it all together and he says... Religious faith is a matter of personal conscience and of consistency with the canons of conduct derived from the person's religious belief. To knowingly provide a forum for the purpose of discussing, developing, and disseminating a particular message can be seen as condoning, if not encouraging, that message. 
and then blah, 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 go down to paragraph 571. For example, assume that the applicants had been informed that the purpose of the proposed forum was to gather together for the purpose of discussing the contentions that the divine does not exist and that Christ does not save, and of how the community might be made aware of those views. Once the applicants became appraised of that purpose, I do not doubt that it would have been necessary for them to refuse the use of their facility for such purposes. So, I think that's, that's pretty compelling to me. Like, if, if you are going to have a defense for religious <laughs> beliefs, I, I don't know, that's, that's quite an attractive argument to me. Well, yeah, it's, uh, I suppose it depends where you want to put the, uh, the sort of broadened view of things, whether you can put it, take a broad view of what constitutes uh, human sexuality or take a broad view of what constitutes um, conduct necessary to give effect to your religious beliefs. But in any event, I think uh, I'm not really sure how to feel about this one. i happy with the result, I feel. Reasoning, who knows? Both pretty compelling, in no, my opinion. Backing Justice of Appeal Redlick. Well, I'm probably going to go with the uh, majority on this one, but I think in any event, it's a good case. Does it get the radio descendi tick from you? Well, well like, as a good case? As an interesting case. Yeah, tick. All right. That's three in a row. Like every case should have a tick if that's the criteria. I was very nearly like going to withhold from giving this the tick. Really? Yeah. Because fundamentally to me, it, it strikes me as like the whole exercise is the court entering a doctrinal question, which I don't know if you remember all the church cases in trusts. The high court said on multiple occasions that that's just something they shouldn't do. Yeah, that's true. And I guess there is something a little bit labored in saying, oh, so the only thing you need to do in order to act consistently with your belief that it's not okay to be gay is to not engage in homosexual conduct. Like, that seems a little bit... Well, especially when almost all religions have an inbuilt provision that there's an obligation <laughs> on every follower to try and, you know, disperse the religion among yeah, the, the people. Yeah, the word, get it out there. See, that's, that's where I... I'm not saying that normatively I agree with the idea that religion should be given this exemption, but I'm just saying that if the exemption exists and if you buy into the idea that religion should be protected, to me this seems like it's just been that protection has been weakened and I don't really see a basis in the statute for it to be weakened in that way. Mm. Anyway. Still gets the take from me though. I think maybe what we should do is start reading extracts from cases that we Google Translate into ancient Chinese and then translate back into English. <laughs> like, like, let's get the test out of Donahue and Stevenson, the, the neighbor principle. Wait, can we do that <laughs> now? <laughs> right now? Let's do that right now. <laughs> and let's see. <laughs> That's quite funny. Sounds like quite People must party. take reasonable care not to injure others who could foreseeably be affected by their action or inaction. That's good, because it's a proposition, which is not even like, a sentence would never start there. So Chinese traditional? Yeah, traditional Chinese. Okay. <laughs> I hope it's good on the translation back. If it's exactly correct, I'll be really sad. Uh, it's pretty exactly correct. Right, let's send this through a bit more. Yeah, let's go through let's, a few more yeah, languages. Let's go through some channels. Russia. Spanish. <laughs> cool. If Google Translate's gotten too good, I'm going to be really annoyed. No, it's probably just that legal writing is so dense and precise that... <laughs> yeah. Turkish. If you're translating between non-English 
languages. Like directly, if you go straight from like Spanish to Arabic, a lot of the time that translation is worse than if you go from English to something. Yiddish looks pretty intense, man. <laughs> I can't highlight it all. It's like the best hits <laughs> of the translation process. <laughs> oh okay, man, I'm get just, a load of that Yiddish. I'm just gonna go Yiddish to English now. Come on, Yiddish. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's actually fairly <laughs> predictable action or inaction of people to harm others. You must take reasonable care to avoid. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy, I said Yiddish, not Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, there you go. The law. <laughs> the law is the same in every language really it's it can't be messed with using google translate (laughs) well we've said law transcends death in that's or you said that al and i think it transcends google translate apparently oh yes i i found a language i translated it to hauser (laughs) i don't know what hauser is but it just changed what we got to predictable action or inaction of people to even others you must take reasonable (laughs) Reason- <laughs> Sorry, hold on, wait. It's not even that funny. It's just, all right. Predictable action or inaction of people to even others, you must take reasonable care to drugs. <laughs> what? It says, it says what? drugs. Drugs you capitalized. Must, you, you, must take re- you, you must take reasonable care to drugs. Which language is this? <laughs> well, this is English translated from Hauser. What's Hauser? H-A-U-S-A. Where do people speak Hauser? I don't Hauser? think that's a real language. Well, I look, hope if it's on Google, it's... I'm sure it's a real language. It's Chadic. It's in Africa. It's very Thank you, Francois, for everything you have done for our country. <laughs> hey, Mr. President. Thank you for what you have done for our country. <laughs> Why do you do that every time? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Dan, you look like you have something to tell me. No, no, I was just about to leave. Oh. <laughs> Actually, though, I, I do want to tell you about my latest trip. In fact, probably my only trip in a very long while to Canberra. Canberra? Yeah. When, Dec- was, when was this? Uh, this was last Friday. Oh, yeah? I went on a, a trip to the sleepy little city of Canberra. and uh, It's the nation's capital, you know. Is that why the people are there? Yeah, yeah. Ah. Anyway, so I jumped on a plane, made some friends on the plane, landed in Canberra. And because I'm the occasion for my visit was an interview, so most of my expenses were paid for. So cab charge voucher, straight to the hotel, check in at about 9.30 at night. All right. Reasonably casual. Yeah. And checked into my room, unpacked. Nice room. Uh, you know. Where are we staying? I can't say. <laughs> Why can't you say? Because I just said it wasn't a nice room. Just surreptitiously try and tell us what the name of it was. No. Was it the, the Sore Feasons? Or... <laughs> it was The Bridges. <laughs> oh, The Bridges. I've heard terrible things about The Bridges. <laughs> anyway. All right. <laughs> Couldn't afford the Shilton. Sounds like you've burned a few bridges there. <laughs> oh, I'm just horrendous. Right. Anyway, Bridges. You get there. Thursday night? Actually, the hotel wasn't bad. All right. <laughs> Listen to me backpedal. 
just lost our biggest sponsor. <laughs> All right, so it's 9.30. But sorry, just you can tell it's Canberra, as you can tell yeah. went with a lot of smaller cities, because the hotel room was enormous. Like, it was just, I've never had so much space to walk around in a hotel room. <laughs> I could have done laps around, like, the couch area. And it was just the weirdest. I was on the ground floor with a... Uh, a sliding glass door that opened up to where <laughs> breakfast is served, <laughs> which was just the weirdest. So if I like <laughs> wake up in the morning, <laughs> like pull the curtains open. <laughs> Good morning, sir. <laughs> Everyone's eating breakfast <laughs> and staring at my bed. <laughs> anyway, love the bridges. <laughs> okay, it's too late. Now. <laughs> too late. So I, I decided that, you know, when in Canberra, you only get to go on a paid trip to another city, not that often. So I decided to go to the bar, um, the hotel bar, and I made a friend there who was pretty drunk and gave me a lot of advice about how to succeed in my interview, which mainly <laughs> consisted of him saying many times, you need to sell you <laughs> to me. <laughs> Do you understand? You you are the product that you need to sell to me. Me is the person to whom you are trying to sell you. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? And just various, you know, versions of that. How, how old was this guy? Oh, maybe like 40-ish. Like sort of overly large suit, losing his hair a bit. Oh, bald. Scotch. Already bald. bald. Yeah, no, we were, we were drinking scotch though. Oh, good. Um... And then I decided to, you know, turn in for the night, get some rest for my interview, which I almost missed because in a moment of just, uh, I don't know, just oversight, I thought the interview started half an hour later than it actually did and then got a call to the effect of, we said to be here 20 minutes early, five minutes before the interview time. Oh, dear. Yeah. Uh, so did you get there in time? I did get there in time. I was at, there at about two minutes too. Oh, good. And uh, I don't think anyone was waiting for me. Um, so that's that's good. Anyway, after the interview was done, I was near enough to Parliament House that I thought I might go pop my head in and take a look. But of course, Friday, nothing much was on. Tried to have a look at a Senate committee on public school funding. No love there. They were on lunch. Of course. Yeah. And I, I mean... Maybe the taxpayer, no doubt. <laughs> Age of entitlement is over, folks. <laughs> Sorry. And then, oh, I man. don't know, I'm a bit of a, a parliament novice, but I was kind of hoping for a little bit of question time. Oh, no. Because I was... That's like I don't Tuesdays, know if it's ever on Fridays. Two. I think I think it's like most afternoons at... Well, it's at 2 p.m. Because I was there well, at 2, on. and that was why I was like, oh, yes, question oh, time. okay. But I... Yeah, they just weren't sitting. So then, as a good law student, I emerge from Parliament House and start the long walk to the High Court. Nice. Yeah. And then I took a couple of choice selfies on the way. Might even post them on the Radio Desidendi Facebook page. And uh, arrived at the High Court. We know what happens at the High Court on Fridays. What, Al? Special leave. I did know that. Yeah, I know. Um... <laughs> But and it's so exciting. Only like 20 minutes a piece. Yeah. And they have like a little red light and a green light. And the green light's on for 20 minutes and then flashes red. And you see all the QCs like 
struggling to get through their pages of material before. It's like waiting to get on to the freeway, except slower and a lot more expensive. (laughs) Much more. (laughs) Like thousands of dollars a day. A much rate of failure. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so any luck with the special leave applications? Uh, No. To put it shortly. They're all done. Yeah, they were all done for the day. It was post-lunch, it was 2 o'clock, and they'd knocked off for the day. It's nice to know that even, you know, in the high court, the uh, early finish on Friday is still, like, a thing. It's alive happens. and well. Yeah. So I, I, checked out, yeah. I checked out the courtrooms, the pretty swanky courtrooms, um, and then I thought, oh, well, that's it. Canberra doesn't really want to know me. High court doesn't really want to have anything to do with me. I took it very personally, of course. Naturally. As you do. But... It got me thinking. It got me thinking. Radio Decidendi should take over the High Court. <laughs> In the first, the first time we recorded this segment, I said, "Let's get a High Court judge." Yes. Now I'm saying, "Let's get all of the Let's High Court all, judges. All eleven of them. Every <laughs> single living High Court judge. All of them. By the end of this year, we will approach them for an interview. <laughs> <laughs> that is an ironclad promise. <laughs> Radio Diaz. Oh, that's a terrible... That's yeah, bad. It's a bad end. We'll think of a different name for our faithful listeners. Anyway. The D Squad. <laughs> Jimmy, turn your mic off. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dan. Okay, no, let's, let's make a promise to get a high court judge by the end of the year. Okay. On Radio Decidendi. Let's shake hands on it right now. Yeah, done. Dan, I have to say, as far as stories go, that was one of the worst I've ever heard in my life. But as far as stories about Canberra go, that was comfortably the best. Thanks, Al. You're listening to Radio Dissidenti. Now, what were you going to say? Say your thing. (laughs) Hey, Al, what type of cheese do you use to encourage a bear? Come on, bear. <laughs> hey, uh, <laughs> Yes, Dan. What kind of cheese do you do to conceal a horse? Mascarpone. <laughs> uh, all right, those are the cheese jokes. <laughs> two cheese jokes we know. You can save them for another episode where we don't have enough awesome content. <laughs> Or you can just delete them. This one. What? Nothing. Um, Sign off. Oh, oh, and I've been Dan, and he's. <laughs> I've been Al. You didn't even mention your names. Okay, I'm I'm Dan. Wait. Can we put this at the start, though? Yeah, right. right. Let's do it. I'm Dan. I'm Al. This is Radio Desidendi. On Jack Radio. Jack Radio. Radio Desidendi. Jack Radio. Radio. Thank you. Get around it. <laughs> Cooked.